This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with crime fiction writer Harriet Steele, where we explore more of other characters that are featured in her books. So as well as Inspector De Silva, are there any other important characters in, in the novels? Well, his wife, Jane, is, is an important character. She provide, provides a sounding board for his ideas. And sometimes as time's gone by, she's participated more fully in, in the investigations. Uh, there's his British boss, um, Archie, who is quite an important character. Archie's wife is quite an important character. And he has a, a sergeant and a constable, a young sergeant and constable, who are also Sri Lankan. Um, and they've become more important as time's gone by. I think the interesting thing about writing a series is you realise that you you must develop the characters. I mean, in any book, of course, you, you need to develop the characters, but I think particularly in a series because they can't remain static. You know, they have to start being given more to do uh, and they have to they have to grow, basically. Otherwise, I think it does get quite boring if you've always got the detective is always the main player, you know, you have to find, like in, in the last book I wrote, Stardust and Noir, which I published last month, I actually had a subplot and I gave one of the junior policemen the leading part in that, as I thought he he hadn't really had a chance to shine so far, or, although his senior, the sergeant, had. And I thought, you know, it's time he, time he did. And it's interesting how quite a few reviewers have said, oh, so pleased to see him you know, doing more and getting into his stride. So I think people get very fond of the characters and they they like to see their development. Well, it, it sounds as if you like your characters. And is it necessary for a writer to like the characters they've created? I don't think it's essential. I, I would find it difficult, to be honest. I, I don't think I could write about characters if I, if I really disliked them, or not for very long anyway. Uh, but... Um, I think some people can do it, but but not not for me. No, I do have to I do have to like my characters to feel to continue to feel interested in them. But I, I think there are writers who you know who write unpleasant characters, and it's part of what they're wanting to say, really. Okay, let's talk about your book covers. They all feature elephants. What's the story behind that? Oh, just that the elephant is such a um, iconic animal in, in Sri Lanka and I, I just love elephants I'm a very very great fan of elephants and when I was trying to do when I was thinking about how the covers should look uh, which is of course is always a, a big decision because I think whatever people say people do look at the cover and either are or are not attracted to a book and I knew that I would write certainly a, a few in this series if even if I didn't I would write a dozen so I wanted something which would lend itself to changes throughout but keeping a a look for for the series which made it obvious that this was a a series and uh, my designer said you know is there any particular 
animal or plant or anything that's associated with Sri Lanka you would like to use? And I said, oh, elephants. And she said, well, let me look around. She came back with the frieze of elephants, which goes along the top and bottom of the books. And I thought that really was lovely, you know, suited me very well. And then she, she and I worked out how we were going to deploy it and, you know, the sort of colours that she could use. And uh, so now we've, we've stayed with that design and simply changed the colours from, from one book to the next. And I wanted really bright colours as well because it's such a colourful country, you know, such a vibrant country. There's so much colour there that I thought it really needed to be something very they need to have very bright coloured covers. And it works. Yes, I think I think they do. I mean, a lot of people have said to me, oh, I bought it on Kindle and then I bought the paperback because I love the covers so mm, much. So, mm. you know, they're just joyful, I think, yes, really. They're yeah, just yeah. really nice to look at. Mm. Yeah. That's all thanks to my wonderful designer. <laughs> <laughs> I come up with a I come up with a very vague idea and she seems to be very good at putting it into practice. Good, so. good. Good. That, that's what they're there for, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. what they're there for, yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about your favourite crime writer. Who's your favourite crime writer and their influence on you and your own writing? Oh, gosh, I, there's quite a lot of people I really like. I tend to, to really like, well, Agatha Christie is, of course, as many crime writers would say. So, you know, she's a, she's a given, really. I mean, she's so, she was so clever. I mean, her plotting was so, so clever and, and the, the number of just the sheer number of books she she wrote and they're pretty well all of very high quality I think there's a few which perhaps are not quite quality of the others but they're all mostly of very high quality and wonderful plotting and of course like me she you know she wrote in the 30s although that was her own time but uh, you know she she had to get her detective to solve mysteries without the aid of modern forensics and I think really the characters she she created I mean Poirot is a wonderful character I think you know, he's, I think a lot of people probably believe he really existed. You know, he was, <laughs> he's a remarkable character, as is Miss Marple. Mm, but mm-hmm. in, the pre- in the present day, I think I tend to go for books which, again, are, are not, partic- not particularly violent, but, you know, interesting characters. I, I rather like um, Ellie Griffiths, who writes a lot of books. A lot of her books were set in Norfolk, and then latterly she's written books set in Brighton. And I, I really like books. I like detective stories with a lot of atmosphere. I do like a, an atmospheric setting. And she is, writes marvellously about, particularly about Norfolk, um, and also well about Brighton, but very, very well about Norfolk. Uh, another one I've enjoyed recently is Jane Harper, the Australian writer, who's very, very good at evoking the um, central, you know, the atmosphere of central Australia. Um, somebody like Anne Cleves for the Shetland series. Again, I, I think it tends to be people who's who don't have a lot of violence, have an interesting story, and but it, very important for me, a lot of atmosphere, you know, a strong evocation of the setting. Well, you've you've mentioned Agatha Christie, and you have been described as a modern day Agatha Christie. How do you <laughs> feel about that? Well, I'm very very flattered, <laughs> very flattered indeed. <laughs> Because the way you were describing your own writing, it's it's like Agatha Christie's style of writing, isn't it? Yes, I, I suppose it is. Yes, it is a little. I mean, because because of the era mm-hmm. and the and the type of book I write, you know, the the traditional style of of detective story, and the fact that everything is everything ends on a happy note, which I think most of her books do. 
I, I think the terrific appeal for people of that this kind of book is that you know the world goes awry because there's a murder and the order of things is disturbed. But then by the end, the murderer has been found, the murderer you know, has, has been punished or will be punished, and life goes back to normal and you can have a happy ending. And there's that feeling that the world has been put to rights, I think. And I, I think when Agatha Christie and her ilk were writing, of course, you were in the, a lot of it was in the 30s, which was the, the time for the Depression, which was a, a time which was very difficult for a lot of people. And I, I think that kind of detective story really appealed to people because it seemed to tame you know, the wildness of the world, even if it was only, even if it was only on the page. Mm, it, mm. It, had a kind of comforting, yes, and comforting I was, feeling. I was thinking that it's like it's a feeling like all is well, all is well with mm. the world. Yeah, yes, all is well. Yes, mm. you know everything's gone wrong. Mm. Somebody's been murdered. The, the killer is on the loose, but now all is well. You know, he, he or she has been found, and we can have a happy ending. So I do always try and end on a positive note with the with the books if I can if I can. So let's talk a bit about your writing practice. Are you a morning writer, evening or afternoon writer? I find I write better in the morning, really. I, I concentrate better in the morning, uh, particularly if I'm draft, drafting the first draft. I I'm fine. I, I'll edit in the afternoon or in the evening. But if I'm starting with a blank page, then I would prefer to write in the morning. I just find it. I think I've just got more energy for it and it's just a better it's a better time for me did you take any writing courses before you started writing your novels i did yes um quite a few years ago probably about 15 years ago now i did a, a short course um a, just a correspondence course which i found very helpful actually and the idea was that you wrote half a dozen pieces and they were critiqued by a tutor um and Yes, it, I think it did te teach me quite a lot. But I, I think really, with great respect to all the people who run creative writing courses, I, I think one of the real good ways of, of honing your writing is to read a lot. I mean, you, you can learn so much from reading other people's work. And, and um, yes, I, I, I think what I took away from the writing course, really, was show, not tell, you know, which is a an old maxim but uh, if you can get your readers to feel they're with you in the room or wherever it might be the scene is taking place it will be interesting for them they will become involved but if you're just telling them about things then I think they, their attention wanders you know they, they need to feel they're there actually seeing events unfold and I think that holds holds the attention so Oh yes, it was it was very useful to have some critiquing, but uh, I think that's really the main thing I've brought away from it. But that said, I do I do use a professional editor. I mean, you know, I'm self-published, but I do use a professional editor, which I find is is very helpful. And I also use a proofreader because I find seeing one's own mistakes is always difficult. You know, you you think you've picked up every little typo and mistake, but often one hasn't. And I, I find when I'm reading. If, if a book has, it could be a very enjoyable book, but if it has a lot of little mistakes scattered through it, it just pulls you out of the story 
And that's the last thing you want to happen with your readers. You don't want them to stop and think, oh, she missed a word there. Or, you know, they can't spell something. Mm -hmm. It just ruins the illusion. And you are trying to, after all, you are trying to create an illusion, aren't you? When you write a book, you are trying to create an illusion. Yes, I feel exactly Mm. the same. I feel exactly the Mm. same about that. Yeah. Mm. Now, I've heard it said that as a writer, don't put everything on the page. Leave something for the reader to do. Don't let them work some things out for themselves. Would you agree with that? Mm. And and do you employ that in your own novels? Um, yes, I think I I think I do agree. I do agree with that. I think yes, I think it's nice if right if readers feel they're participating a bit. And yes, I think sometimes you have to think I could I could really spell this point out and I could labor it but I think they'll think of it for themselves and just leave them leave them to do it and I think that is fun again it's the the kind of crossword puzzle element of detective stories that you know people like to get involved and I've been very pleased that people do seem to feel involved with my characters you know they they do talk about them and say that they they look on them as friends and when mm. another book comes out mm. they say oh I'm looking forward to knowing what he's up to next mm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and you get the feeling that there's an ongoing relationship yes. between the reader and, yes. and the characters which is uh, very nice in a series well yeah. very nice in any in any book mm. that, that sounds really great um, so that would be some of the successes of being a crime writer but what about some of the challenges oh keeping on thinking up new plots I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, it's that becomes after twelve books that does yeah. become a bit, uh, bit of a challenge. Mm. But uh, yes, I I have to. Uh, I try and keep a well, not not a mental note, more than a mental note. I try and keep a record of all the all the books um, and what's happened in them because it's if you're not careful, you find you can be repeating not a whole story. But the way something is worked out, you know, the way he, uh, Shanti comes to an answer or, or the weapon the murderer has used, you, you just want to try and vary it for people, really. So, yes, I think that is the challenge, really, is, is keeping it fresh, thinking up new plots, not repeating devices all the time. It's, it's a balance, really, because I think with the series, people like um, their, their, char- their familiar characters. They like people to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Oh, repetitively in in the books like I've used quite I have quite a lot of food in the books which people I think like and you know Shandy's very fond of his food and I quite often describe meals he's eating and sometimes I thought oh perhaps I'm ever doing this perhaps people have had enough of listening <laughs> to his meals and I've, I've tried to take a bit out and mm-hmm. people said oh I wish there were some more meals in it oh I see oh I see he yeah. stopped eating yes <laughs> So you think, oh, I'll put some more in again. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yes, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's getting a balance between boring people by mm, mm, having mm. the same devices and scenes too much, but but also keeping some familiarity for them. Yes. What about mileage? Have you got more mileage in what Inspector the Silver can do? Have you got more books in, in mind or in the pipeline? Certainly one more. I've started on one more, um, and I think... That will make 13, unlucky number, so I might have to do a 14. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I think I, I, I probably will go on, yes. Mm. I mean, sometimes I think I'd love to create a new character and a mm. new scenario, um, but, of course, that's quite a, a challenge to, to, to start again from mm. the beginning, mm. and I'd need to 
something would need to happen to me, I think, that would really inspire me to, to start again. And then again, people seem to like the books and they, you know, they're telling me they want more. So I think, well, carry on. Yes, carry on, absolutely. Yes, well, yeah. I'm still enjoying it. Yes. And I am mm-hmm. very much enjoying it. So, so I think it would be a shame to, to stop. But maybe at some point I will mm. think up a new a new character and you know, put them in a new situation and see how it, see how it goes. I, th- I think I will probably go on writing detective stories. I, I can't see myself writing romance. I don't think it's my sort of thing. I might perhaps go back to something historical mm. one day. But mm. um, I know for the moment, I think I shall I shall carry on. As you know, the crime fiction market is huge. Um, mm. And if a new writer was trying to break into this market, would there be room for them? I don't think you can ever say there's no room, to be honest. I mean, you, you just don't know what is going to take off and what isn't going to take off. And I think if you want to try it, I, I would say just try it, you know, see see what happens. I mean, that's that's what I did. You know, I, I, I do self-publish and... I, I was surprised by the good response, but very pleased. And I think, you know, there's no good sort of not having the confidence to try and do something. If you, if you want to do it, you just need to get on and do it. And sometimes a crime writer will come through who becomes very popular and they maybe have hit on a new idea or they just hit on a particularly attractive character or something. And other times it won't work for them. but. Well, you can only find out by trying, can't you? So I think, yes, I don't think you can ever say there, there isn't room because there's a voracious appetite for reading crime novels. Mm-hmm. Whether that will go on, I don't know, but there always has been. And I think there's I've no reason to think there there won't be. I just think it's a genre people think is a lot of fun, especially when it's the lighter kind of crime novel. Yes, yes. Now you've said that your novels end on a positive note. So we are going to end on a positive note by asking you about some of your successes of being a crime writer. Oh, right. <laughs> um, well, um, it sounds rather mercenary, but um, <laughs> I do have very good sales. And, <laughs> you know, something which I never really expected to make money out of, to be honest, but I, I've found that it is a, a lucrative uh, business. I think one of the great pleasures is the contact with readers. You know, which is, is lovely. I mean, I get a lot of people, I have a website and I get a lot of people contacting me through the website and through my newsletter and saying, you know, how much they've enjoyed it. And, you know, a lot of them I've, I've really got to know quite well because they have read all the books and they always get in touch with me and, you know, tell me what they think and everything. And it's become quite a long distance, of course, quite a sort of personal relationship, which mm. is which is really lovely because writing is a very, I'm sure you know, very solitary mm. occupation. And uh, it's something which, I mean, I don't have any other writers in the family, so it's not as if I'm, I've am i got a, another writer to, to talk to. Um, so, you know, contact with readers is, is really wonderful. And sometimes I've had people say, oh, you know, they've helped me through a really difficult time, the books, mm-hmm. and, and that's just so satisfying. And, you know, because it is a solitary occupation, I think sometimes you feel you're just on your own mm-hmm. in the dark with the book and you just don't always know whether people will enjoy it or not. So it's lovely to have the feedback and find out that people do. And, and the books mean something to them. Well, I think that, I would say, is the greatest, the greatest success, really, the feeling of contact with your, with your readers. And it's lovely to have you on the programme, Harriet. And thank you very much for joining me on Behind the Yellow Tape.
been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com as well as on all podcast platforms. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal.